0: Welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. Please head over to our website, BethelBrandon.ca, to figure out how we can best serve. you. God, I just pray that uh, you will work on our hearts today uh, as we just learn a little bit more about you and that God, you will challenge us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to say something to those people who are watching live on live stream Uh, Last week we had what was called a Murphy's Law Sunday. Uh, We didn't have internet uh, until a little bit later in the service, and so we were unable. It looked like we were streaming, but actually, in in actuality, because of our our problems not being able to get on the internet, we were unable to actually show uh, last week's uh, uh, message online. And there are people who said, well, can can I watch it and that and that? Well, no. Sorry. Um, But... uh, we, uh, we are glad that we are online. It's amazing how much internet plays a big deal now in terms of ministry, how we give, how we, uh, how we view ministry and stuff like that. And so I just wanted to apologize as far as that is concerned. I think that God wants us to thrive in terms of our faith, in terms of our, our faith walk. Don't you? One question I was asking myself as I was, was kind of going over the fact that I want to thrive in terms of my walk with Jesus, I don't just want to make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to, I want to serve God with the greatest amount of passion that I possibly can. And I began to ask questions. It's a question maybe you ask yourself. When you take a look at the Bible and you see characters who thrived during their time, during their generation, they just kind of thrived. And I take a look at individuals who I see at church, and maybe you see them at church or other church or whatever, and you just say, they just seem to have it down in terms of serving Jesus. What are the, what are the things that are in them? What are the characteristics that they have that maybe I can emulate? So I, I kind of asked myself uh, that question, and, and one of the things that I had come up as I would kind of put that list together was what I wanted to talk to you about today. And it kind of asks the question, you know, um, do we have what I will call a standing faith? Do we have a faith? And what exactly is a standing faith? It is like, it is a faith that has a level of resilience and determination, hardiness. Like, it's like a battle-worn, a battle-resistant faith. You know, it's, it's interesting as we take a look, you know, that we have to have, in sometimes a time where everything is happening, we need to have a faith that sometimes doesn't move, that holds strong, that you're not swayed by the latest trend, and you're not swayed by the latest trial or tribulation that you might be going through. and You're not swayed by the, the, the current transition which is happening, perhaps in your life or in the community. thing is, do we have a faith that stands for something or falls for anything. I'm not asking if you have a faith worth living for. I'm asking you if you have a faith that's worth dying for. And is that faith rooted in the love of God and in the Word of God? And this is important. That your faith remains strong, steadfast, successful, despite the circumstance that maybe you're going through. That we don't chase the newest flavor of Christianity or the latest shift in our culture. And as a matter of fact, Christianity has always been counterculture. We've always done our best when we have kind of been against the grain of what is happening in our society. And so we live in an age, perhaps, where people are discouraged or there's multiple attacks that are happening. But I just say this, you can still thrive despite the fact that the situation that you are going through or the culture that we live in gets more and more difficult. It's true. When the cares of this world threaten to choke us out, I believe that we can stand firm. And I'm not sure what your condition is. I'm not too sure exactly what you're going through. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who have, are different in, your you're, you're in different parts in your life. You're in different parts in your walk. There's some people who have been Christians here for a long, long time. There's Some people who have only been Christians for like weeks. There's some who have kind of just come to the country and they're trying to figure out how do I fit in to this culture? How do I figure it out? And there's difficulty in that. And somehow we, we get in this time where we're in a rut sometimes and we're not thriving, we're just surviving. How do I get out of that? Or maybe you're here and you're new and you're, you're new to faith and, and, and the first few weeks that you served Jesus were so wonderful. But then all of a sudden that kind of wears off and we have difficulties and we have questions and you're just trying to figure it out. Or maybe you're a young person And you're about to go into a school system that is going to bombard you against anything having to do with Christianity. And you're feeling the weight of that. Or perhaps you're in your second or third year of college and you are having to deal with the fact that you are swimming in a river that is going exactly against you. I can tell you this, you can thrive. Or maybe you're here and life is so busy. You got no margin in your life. You are traveling from one event to another event, and the event is not for you, it's for someone else. And you're trying to make as much money as you can because it now costs $150,000 a year just to feed yourself, does it not? Take a look at our grocery bills. It's hard to believe. Trying to survive in the midst of this, I believe that we can somehow thrive. And if I can encourage you, somehow in some way, it would be this. This isn't the first time that we have had these difficult times. This isn't the first time where we have begun to live in a culture where it is difficult to serve Jesus. As a matter of fact, you take a look at the New Testament church, and all that they battled with, they were still able to thrive despite all the things which are happening and taking place, despite the fact that there were threats to division of the church, that there were threats that were taking place uh, in terms of, of disputes and immaturity, And what Paul does is he's talking to these churches, and he planted a number of these churches. One of the things he does is he has a term. He kind of pens this term. And it says this, stand firm. You'll read it a number of times through the scriptures. Have you ever noticed sometimes as you read through the New Testament and as Paul is, is talking to different churches that you heard that term? Stand firm. No? Okay, maybe I'm the only one who has read this. Fact is, it is true. We have kind of read that. We have kind of seen that, 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 um, that, you know, there are coming times and there are times and probably will always be a time in your faith where you're going to have to stand firm on something. And the thing was at that particular time in the New Testament church that Paul did not rely or could not rely on people who were saints for like 30, 40, 50 years because the church wasn't even that old at that time. And so here he was trying to talk about this. And he uses a term which is called steko. The term stand firm is from the Greek word that says steko. And the, the verb or the, the, uh, the term steko in the Greek was only used maybe eight or nine times But there are at least six of them where Paul uses it. Whenever you hear that word, stand firm, I'll tell you that majority of the time, it was what the Apostle Paul was talking about. He became passionate about saying these things. Let me just show you a few passages of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, of whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends." Also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse uh, 58, He says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Ephesians 6, verses 13. This is probably the most popular passage where we see the term stand firm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. And then it says, stand therefore. Look how many times it says stand there. 1 Corinthians 16, verse, verse 13. Be watchful then, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now if you understood Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church, you would almost kind of laugh when it says, act like men. Because at that particular time, there were issues that were having immaturity. Anyways, sorry. I guess it's kind of like the Corinthian joke that was going on there. Other, the, other, the other part, Galatians chapter 5, 1, the, the, the passage of Scripture where Jesus is talking about not being yoked to slavery, but being free. It says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Philippians 1, 27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to you and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, Second Corinthians one twenty four. Not that we lorded over you of your faith, but we work with you for your joy that you stand firm in your faith. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. It's like he was trying to get us to absorb something which is important. Even today, folks, when we say the word stand. It means many different things, don't you think? You know, like, we need to take a stand. We need to stand together. We're standing on the promises of God. We don't want to stand alone because we'll stand out. So we have to stand by and stand fast unless there's a standoff because we need to stand in the gap and stand tall and stand your ground, standing in line because you don't want to be the last man standing because it might be your last stand. We have, we have so many uses of the word. And so what I would like to show you, if I could, that Paul uses this term, stand fast. But most of the time when he uses this word, stand fast, it means something different based on the context of the passage that he's addressing the congregation to so I'm just going to do with this with, with just a few of the references here. And the reason that I want to do this, because today, we need to stand fast in the same way. The first thing is, and, and the question you have to ask yourself is this, what does Paul mean when he says you need to stand firm? Well, the first thing I'll say is this. When Paul is saying stand firm, he's talking about Stubbornly serving Jesus. That if you take a look at that passage in 1 Corinthians, it says, Stand firm, let nothing move you. In other words, keep serving Jesus and don't get veered off by the stuff that is not important or the stuff that is temporary. We tend to think that stubbornness is a bad thing. When we see someone, someone comes up and says to me, Listen, you're pretty stubborn, Pastor. Well, I don't know. I kind of get my back up on a statement like that. I almost feel like you're kind of trying to start a fight or something like that. But in reality, part of the faith is needing to be stubborn over the right things, is it not? There was a story a couple of years ago, 20 years ago, when there was Hurricane Isabel, 2003, and it blew over North Carolina. And they said that the winds were so bad... Everything that was going on was so bad that it destroyed everything. It said that there were apartment buildings and things that kind of went down like they were cardboard boxes. And everything went down except for on that coastline, there was a famous lighthouse. And it stood there. No problems. I think we need to be like that lighthouse And it says this, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. There's always going to be a temptation to leave. There's always going to be a reason to leave. There's always going to be an attraction to leave. There will always be Christians who don't act like Christians. There will always be people who will cut you with criticism. There will always be people who will bite you with their immaturity. There will always be seasons of discouragement, dullness, or whatever seems to be defeat. But if you want to thrive... You will need to stand firm and hang on to Jesus because the power of your faith is not etched out when times are good. The power of your faith is etched out when times are unsure and even unsafe. Amen? It's true. Because you know, it says this because you know that your neighbor, labor in the Lord is not in vain. Paul's basically saying this you know what? You can never outgive God. Whenever you're doing something for Jesus, you're never going to get to a point where he's not going to pay you back more for all that you've done. You need to stubbornly serve. What else does he mean when he says, hey, what does it mean to hold fast or to hold firm? Well, what it basically means to stand firm as well is that you need to prioritize your principles. You take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, therefore, stand firm In the Lord this way. And you think, well, what exactly does that mean? Well, we all know, folks, that when you are going through the Bible and you're studying it and you see the word therefore, what do you do? You have to see what it is there for. So if you go reverse a little bit and take a look in Philippians chapter 3, what was taking place was that there were individuals who were trying to lead the congregation astray that there were doctrinal issues. And one of the main reasons that that the that Paul is writing to the Philippian church is because there was this element of people who were trying to draw them away and the situation was that there was a selfish ambition that was there and there was something that appealed to the flesh. And what he says is this. You need to hold firm. Not only do you need to stubbornly serve God, but you need to prioritize your principles. You need to actually take a look and live by what the Word of God actually says. Don't be swayed by untruth. Even if the culture says it's okay. Even if the media says it's okay. Even though the enlightened system says it's okay. Your faith is not based on how you feel or how society feels. Then what happens is you make the Word of God say whatever you say. Many times there are people who interpret the Word of God by saying this is how I feel and this is, this is how it works out for me and so this therefore is what the Word of God says. But in actuality, the way we look at the Word of God is this. This is what the Word of God says. This is how it works out in my life and then this is how I feel. And so we're living in this right now where the foundations of our faith are being challenged. And we need To love the Word of God. And in order to know the Word of God, we we have to get into it. It becomes something which is so important. Seen throughout scriptures. Ephesians. Paul says, listen, I don't want you guys to be disrupted by every wind of doctrine. Because there will always be something that will appeal to our flesh. Something with a selfish ambition. That somehow will try to be tied in with the true faith and we need to prioritize the Word of God. 2 Timothy 4.13, Paul says this. Don't, let, don't People won't endure sound doctrine in the end times. They will listen to whatever their itching ears want them to hear. And in a day when our foundations are crumbling, we need to stand firm, even though it makes us unpopular, or people, people may think that we're unethical. Inward, persever- per- inward perseverance produces outward godliness. Yeah. Stand firm. It also means something else. It also means uh, for us to, I'll call it this way, to travel together. Again, again in, in Philippians, Paul says, Paul says this standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Many times when we talk about a standing firm, we think about me standing firm or you standing firm, the individual standing firm. But in this particular passage of Scripture, he's talking about the fact that we all have to stand firm together. And then he uses the word striving. In order for us to thrive, we first have to strive together. That there's something powerful that happens when we corporately hold and stand firm. And we're living in a day where we have to stand firm. Sometimes it happens in the form of a small group, where people gather together continually all the time, studying the Word of God, but at the same time our life pours into that meeting in a small group. And we begin all of a sudden to become vulnerable, and we begin to rely on other people who will pray for us, and who will help us, and who will support us. Here's the thing, God has made it so that we will not be able to thrive unless we have other people in our life. Something which is extremely extremely powerful. There'll be things that we will not be able to accomplish as a church unless we do it together. And when he says stand firm, there are certain things that we will have to stir, stand firm together to see God do. You know where this is seen probably the most popular throughout history? Is during intense persecution. What is it about persecution that allows us to cast out everything else that doesn't matter? What is it that happens about us when everything else is is on life support that we are saying, hey, we better stick together here? There's something about the power of unity where God moves. Jesus, as he's talking to his disciples, says this. He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have a really nice building. No. If you run really great programs. No. The times when we are most powerful is when we're loving one another. That's when the world takes notice. And there's something about the fact that there will be times when we as together will strive together. We will stand firm together for a common cause. Last week we did the, the the city's biggest water fight, and it wasn't just me, and it wasn't just Logan, and it wasn't just uh, other people on the pastoral staff. It was everybody working together with a common passion to somehow say to the people around us, we genuinely, authentically love you. We're going to work together to show you the love of Christ. Yeah, to travel together. One more, if I could. What does Paul mean when he says stand firm? The last thing is this to wage war, to fight, to be strong together, to not give up space to the devil. And when Paul speaks about that. It's probably in the most popular passage about spiritual warfare Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 to 17. Do everything you can to stand, put on the whole armor of God, because the fight that we fight is not against flesh and blood, it's against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And we can't afford to lose ground. That there's kind of this military aspect to that term which says stand firm. If a general of an army is telling you to stand firm, what he is saying is this, don't give up the property that you have because the property that you have is important. important. Thousands of people in war have been lost over acres of land because of the strategic value of the strategy of that land. I believe that the same thing happens to us in the spiritual realm. And and Paul talks about the fact that you need to stand firm, that there's a real battle which takes place. There are times I feel, can't speak for you, where it feels like I'm losing ground. Have you had that happen? But there are certain battles you can't lose. You can't lose the battle for your family. That's a spiritual place, a spiritual battleground that you can never, ever lose. You can't lose the, the, the battle for the Word of God and for our community, the battle for unity, the battle for our minds, the battle for our community. And if you're not fighting it, nobody else will. So. Because there's a battle, and the battle many times is in areas that you don't least expect. it. We think it's in this area that the church thinks is important, but it not be, may not be in the place that God thinks that it's important. So when God says to stand firm, maybe the question we need to ask is, in what way? In every way. And I'm not too sure exactly. Again... Where you stand, which one applies to you the most at this particular time? Maybe you're in the midst of a huge spiritual battle. Maybe you're just being pushed around. It's time for you to stand. If, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for everything. And God desires for us to thrive, not just to survive. You need to stand in the classroom. You need to stand in the workplace. I remember growing up as a young Christian, and I was the only one in my family that was serving the Lord. And I distinctly remember in those first years where I was a Christian, I had to stand in a family that didn't know Jesus. Or maybe you're in a relationship where one is serving the Lord and the other is not. And God is calling you to stand. It's a battle that you can't lose. This is probably the most important part of your life, involving the most important people in your life. God is calling you to stand as a church. And for those of you who feel like quitting and you're just hanging on, and you feel the hurt of criticism and you're sick and tired of the hypocrisy of others. And you're facing tribulation and you're facing challenges. And, and you're trying to figure out which way you are wanting God to answer your prayers. And in the midst of that, there's a voice inside of you that says, no matter what happens, I'm going to serve Him." The call to us today, the call to you today is to stand firm. There will not be a time, probably in your faith, that you will not have to stand firm on something. So if I could, can I pray for you? Whatever your situation is, I'm going to ask Maria if she could come up. She's going to sing a closing song. But what I would like to do, if I could, is I would like to pray that God will help you in whatever area you are in, to stand, And even as I say that, the Holy Spirit might be kind of leading you in that direction or whatever, wherever that area is, if we could. And maybe a most important question is, what if I don't know Jesus? Well, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you're walking, you're, you're listening online, and, and, and you're just beginning to figure this whole faith thing out. When you realize that you're a sinner, when you realize that you need Jesus and you decide to take that step of faith, um, I believe that God comes in. But when he does come in, it is the greatest thing that you could possibly do. But what he does is he, he, he puts in us a resiliency to serve him. So God, I just pray right now that you will minister to every single person where they are at. And Father, maybe there's someone who doesn't even know you and They're just trying to figure this out. And and the first step to understanding, standing firm, is that step we take to the cross and say, God, I give you absolutely everything. But Lord, there are people who are here this morning, people who are here today, they're going through incredibly difficult times and are feeling the hurt from maybe other people, are feeling the the tiredness of enduring whatever relationship or whatever ministry or whatever whatever it is and they just say i just feel like giving up maybe some people here say this is my last sunday i i am just fed up i don't know if i have it and and, and there's times where god is calling us to stand on the word of god over issues that are so difficult now we're in a war and lord the fact that we need to stand together fact that there is a war being waged around us and you're calling us, Father, to that deeper walk. You're calling us to thrive and we haven't been thriving but today we say, you know what, God? I give you everything. I'm going to serve you no matter what. I'm going to hold on no matter what because I want to thrive. I don't think God has, I don't think that God has called us to a mediocre walk. He's called us to a victorious walk one of the things Paul says to us throughout scripture is this there's going to be times where you're going to have to stand firm so I just pray for each and every individual each and every family each person Father who is standing in some way and needs that extra bit of strength I ask Holy Spirit that you will move I pray God that we will leave this place energized by the Holy Spirit we're not going to be energized by something that someone says. We will be energized by what you say through your word. So God, I pray for the power of God. I pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I ask God that you will breathe life into us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please head over to BethelBrandon.ca to listen to our older messages or maybe connect with us and figure out how we can best serve you.